And I would literally have a thought of, I am used, abused, I have no future. I, um, you know, maybe I just, I just have no hope in my life anymore. Mm. Everything I've lost. And um, I would declare uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that felt so insincere to my emotions. Right. It felt so fake. But I decided I'm going to just be grounded on the on the word of God and use the word of God as a sword and wow. stand on it. And that truly was my deliverance more. OK, I believe in counseling, but more than counseling was learning to get in the presence of God and get in the word of God and stand on it mm. was um, was my deliverance. It's wow. the truth that sets us free in it. The truth really is what sets me free. Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. It's the follower podcast in your ears for the second time in a week. Aren't you lucky to have that? Uh, We're in this two-part conversation with Beth, uh, a missionary in North Africa who is sharing her story with us uh, and what it's meant for her to enter into a life fully surrendered to Jesus. So if you haven't listened to the first part of this conversation or in fact, the whole series, <laughs> you need to just catch up because this is part two of this conversation with Beth. I hope it's helping you and stirring you and encouraging you to a life more fully surrendered to Jesus because he's totally worth it. Without any more ado, here is Beth with the rest of her story. But for you, yeah. this obedience led you into quite an interesting uh, experience. So tell us more about that. So now you go to this nation. What happens there? Yeah, so I moved to the to the Muslim world. I lived in Muslim Africa and also the Middle East um, for a number of years. And I um, got to see God move. I got to see uh, Muslims come to faith. There was such a revival happening in the Middle East from um, the tragedy that was happening at the time um, with the Syrian war. And again, tragedy and just devastation um, opened the door for God to move among Syrian people. And um, it was really being able to step into, now I can look back and say it was a revival for sure. And um, you'd go to Syrian uh, refugee houses and it would be foolish to not pray for healing for every single sick and hurting person in the room because the Holy Spirit always showed up and Jesus always healed. So I remember going to houses and the kids just knew that there were going to be healing. So would just take my hand and pull my hand and put it on their parents' back, put it on their head if they had a headache, because Jesus would heal and Jesus was meeting these people. And it was really beautiful for me too, coming from a lot of trauma and pain in my upbringing. Um, from, yeah, just domestic and child abuse and um, seeing how my story related and every Muslim girl who I was able to lead to the Lord was in, or I should say under um, abuse or um, had experienced pretty uh, traumatic abuse. And so me being able to share my story and being on the other side and um, being filled and healed by the love of God, um, it had such authority. And that's what I love about Jesus is there's not only healing and restoration for our own lives, but there's so much 
uh, redemption and no pain is wasted. And I was able to relate so easily to these, um, yeah, Muslim girls and lead um, some of them to the Lord. So that was so, um, so beautiful. Um, yeah. Um, in my time in Muslim Africa, working with my beloved focus people group, there are so many missionaries who've worked with this people group and not seen a believer come to the Lord for 13 or 16 years. That's very common. It's a very resistant people group. And um, after I had lived there for about a year and a half, um, and learning the language and um, sitting with the poor and um, yeah, just building trust in the community. There was a young girl from this, from this people group who uh, just came to my door and um, I was just sharing um, with her what the Lord has done uh, in my life and something was different. And every time I shared, um, I felt that, spiritual hunger in her heart and she would lean in she would be engaged her eyes were open and um and yeah she was really yeah just showing deep hunger for the lord mm. and um i had prayed and emailed my support team to just pray that this young girl would get a dream or a vision of Jesus, because Jesus loves moving and partnering with us in the Muslim world and giving yeah. people encounters with himself. And um, and we get to just witness that and watch. But that night, the power of prayer um, being answered that night, um, this young um, Muslim girl got a dream of um, Jesus coming to her as the man in white, glowing, radiant, saying that, he wanted to take her pain and her heaviness and her suffering wow. and to come and follow him. And um, yeah, and so within like a month and a half of walking with her and her coming over to my house every day, she stood up in my living room and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on. And um, yeah, so there's nothing like that, you know? and. Even all that sacrifice, all that discomfort of living in another nation across the world is so worth it for even just one soul that eternally will be rescued and be with Jesus living in heaven forever. And, and um, yeah, and there will be more, you know, and so it is so eternally worth it to do um, what I'm doing with my life. Um, Yeah. yeah, can share more about um, some years later. But um, after after a few years of living on the field as a single um, young uh, missionary, I moved to the Muslim world when I was twenty. And so by the time I was twenty five or maybe twenty six, um, people started asking me. Um, if I was going to get married and if I would ever consider marrying a local, um, a local African of the country I was living in. And I said, absolutely not. Um, I'm not open for that. And, um, and yeah, I was very close to that. But um, over the course of some months and um, the Lord really did open my heart to that idea and one thing that he spoke to me was about um a promise to adopt in the future from this nation wow. but in this nation um adoption is illegal for a christian man or woman but if you have um, a local uh husband then um you're free to adopt. And so God spoke this word of this promise of adoption, maybe um, a year before. And I um, got to go into um, 
yeah, the nation that God had called me. Um, I was living on the border previously, and I got to meet a um, underground church leader who was a local married to a European uh, woman. And because he was a local, they were able to take in so many children. So that's when I thought, wow, "Wow, uh, maybe this is something you have for me. And, um, And so the day that I was leaving this war zone, this country, Um, was the day that an underground believer who had been in my underground church, uh, who I knew for four years, um, sent me a message. And I, um, yeah, really felt the Lord to be open to that relationship. And so we had talked. And long story short, I really felt from the Lord that this was the person I was supposed to marry. And even talking about future vision it all seemed it was lining up and seemed like all my everything the lord spoken and what he what was in that man's heart um just aligned together to see uh the gospel go forth with more power you know um among this nation and people and so um long story short um we ended up getting married and um, there were some signs of immaturity or things like that. But I knew from a lot of my other married friends that, you know, marriage is hard and it's normal to have those disagreements and arguments. And maybe I was a little bit um, desensitized to, to some unhealthy behaviors from my childhood. I think that had a big part that blinded me a little bit. But I found myself in in a marriage where my childhood was replaying um, again mm. to a more dangerous and crazy level. And so, um, yeah, my the guy that I married was um, an underground church leader, but he was incredibly abusive. Um, he um, would drink a lot of alcohol and be doing drugs, things that I did not suspect that when I met him, I knew him for four years and thought he was a humble and pure hearted, uh, man of God. He was a leader in the underground church. And, um, yeah, that's not what I expected. And, um, he, he even, um, turned back to Islam, at least with his words about, two months into marriage Mm -hmm. and he would be calling local believers, telling them to go back to the mosque and um, would, I I felt I was being persecuted in my own home and I wouldn't be able to, um, to read the Bible or pray or worship God on his watch. Um, He would be spitting at me, just um, slandering me um in many different ways um but also for being a christian and um i think he was had quite maybe a i don't want to judge but he for sure was not okay mentally where he would um just delight in in torturing me and he would um multiple times just try to um beat me to beat me to the point of almost killing me multiple times, um, threatening me with knives on multiple occasions, threatening to have men come in and rape me. So this is no normal marriage conflict. It was really my life in danger every single day. And um, for a while, maybe because I um, have endured intense abuse before, I was able to keep it under the radar and hidden for a while but um there was that one night where i thought oh my gosh if i don't call someone i am going to be raped by these men that he's inviting over and so um so i texted multiple people secretly without him knowing and um praise god that for a season there was a, a young married couple and the husband had insomnia and that season i think it was the lord um you know knowing that he was being on call maybe for me but um mm. so i texted him at like 2 or 2:30 2 a.m 
and he came with his wife um, to my home and um, they had to physically rescue me and peel my ex-husband's hands off of me as, as I ran out of the house with no shoes. And so I, I was completely traumatized, um, so shocked, malnourished, because I would just lock myself in a room and be scared to even go to the kitchen to grab a banana because I would mm. be scared to run into him. And so had dropped so much of my body weight and really was just desperately praying for God to break in and for a miracle. And I thought that the miracle would be um, God changing his heart and delivering him of um, everything that was affecting him and everything that was going on. Um, but unfortunately, um, through attempts of going back and trying to get counseling, the abuse was only getting worse and my health was deteriorating even more. And so um, I had to escape that country, um, not to leave my marriage, but to, um, I was so traumatized just to get away and get some rest and get some medical attention. I had um, had a miscarriage right before having to escape um, from the country I was living in. And so I left and um, went to America totally traumatized. And um, as I was in America, um, a lot surfaced of um, different, um, yeah, of adultery that was going on in the marriage. And that, um, the man that I married really had no desire um, to, um, or no, um, value on on the marriage that we had entered into and really could honestly care less and um it was yeah such a dark and traumatic time in my life and um I think a lot of the feelings was um shame of how could I be so stupid to marry this guy and second is like I did what a single missionary should never do. I married a local because I thought God really wanted me to. And mm. now my short-lived marriage is falling apart and everybody's watching it happen, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and then thinking like, I have disqualified myself. I am done. I am not going to be on the mission field or in ministry anymore, but I still love God and want to see him known among these people. I'm going to have to get a job one day and support my friends that are staying there. And then there was the element of so much traumatic stress that I uh, would curl up in fetal position, just sobbing at random moments and with flashbacks. And um, I actually had everything was stripped of me. And for, um, for my own security and, and sanity, I had to cut off all my relationships of where I had been living for years uh, because it was so messy. You know, wow. a lot of um, abusive people can be very charismatic and uh, manipulative and even charming. So a lot of people um, were thinking, what happened to Beth? You know, I lost um, I about everything, you know, and um, even was um very suicidal in moments in the depth of my trauma but mm -hmm. i something in me knew god my life is an utter mess but i know that if i cling to you for dear life with all of my heart and focus all my attention on you and just hold on to you that somehow it's going to be okay because I know wow. you're good and I know you're wow. faithful and I know that you are merciful mm. and forgiving and I am gonna I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this but I'm gonna cling to you because you're my only hope wow. you know and it's almost with uh, you know what um who was it Peter he said, he said like where else would I go like yeah. you alone have you know the words of life and in this situation I had nothing no one else to turn to but you know um didn't understand the pain but said okay i'm gonna cling to you
and um, God lined up believers um, to to love on me when I got back to America and um, people speaking truth and not partnering with the enemy's accusations and lies and shame. And people were even saying things like, you know, the Lord's not done with you. He's going to um, use you. And I'm like, how could you say those things? How's the Lord ever going to use me? I'm completely shattered. I completely mm. failed. I'm completely disqualified. I don't even deserve to be an usher at church. You know, wow. I'm just, wow. you know, that much, that depth of shame. But the Lord, um, yeah, himself started over time confirming that in my heart. And, um, yeah, and even people said that he would send me back to that region in Africa. And and somehow that made my heart so happy because um, there's a, I don't know when it was, but there's a point where um, it wasn't a sacrifice anymore to, to live there, but it was um, my desires became his desires at a certain point. And mm. so even now my greatest desire is to live here among this people and to be a part of making him known. And so actually when God himself confirmed it to my heart that I would one day go back, even if it was in 20 years or 50 years, um, my heart broke down crying and I felt so loved by God that um, he would still, even in the future, entrust me to still be a part of this amazing work among this people that I love. Mm. And so, um, but I, yeah, I had to invest a lot in my healing journey. Um, so I did a lot of counseling, went to a lot of different support um, programs and learned um, to a new level, the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and the power of the word of God. I remember um, every time I found out about another um, um, every time something else was uncovered about my current ex-husband, it would eat away at me. I would feel that anger. I would feel so depressed. It would make me spiral into, um, yeah, just dark places or flashbacks and stuff. And I, I remember being at a church service and um, I had an open vision. Um, I don't have many open visions in my life. Like you were saying, Matt, I'm saying all the moments now, but it doesn't yeah. happen every day to me, you know, or every <laughs> yeah. month. Even. Yeah. Yeah. But I had this open vision. It was one of those marking moments in my life. And I was at a Sunday church service and all around me, there was this big tornado and it was uh, dark and huge and overwhelming. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, I have a place for you in the eye of the storm. And there was a place of stillness and peace in the eye of the storm. And the Holy Spirit asking me to just raise my hands and to give him my sacrifice of praise wow. in my crazy storm. And he spoke to me, I have not created you to be tossed and turned by the waves and winds of this world. But I've called you to be anchored in my peace, anchored in my love, anchored in my truth, anchored in my hope. And um, and that was a marking moment because I, I got to hold on to that word that I was anchored um, in Jesus, in hope, joy, love, peace. And so anytime a thought came into my mind that came against that truth, I we have power. We have the armor of God. We have a double-edged sword, which is the word of God. And I would literally have a thought of, I am used, abused. I have no future. I, um, you know, maybe I just, I just have no hope in my life anymore. Mm. Everything I've lost. And um, I would declare uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. And that felt so insincere to my emotions. Right. It felt so fake, but I decided I'm going to just be grounded on the, on the word of God and use the word of God as a sword and wow. stand on it. 
And that truly was my deliverance more. Okay. I believe in counseling, but more than counseling was learning to get in the presence of God and get in the word of God and stand on it mm. was, um, was my deliverance. It's wow. the truth that sets us free. And it, the truth really is what sets me free. Um, and that doesn't undermine, you know, the need for the body of Christ and, friends and family to come alongside you and love but that was the most powerful thing and over the course of a few months um you know a few months and and then a year and a half we're always healing more and more but I experienced the Lord literally resurrecting me and I feel like I got saved again and how you know I was on fire young Christian missionary, but how I knew God at 2021 when I went to the field, how I knew him as a 27 year old uh, person in the middle of a divorce was so much greater than, you know, Mm -hmm. how I knew him before. Um, And I remember there was another really significant moment of um, the Lord showing me in Isaiah 54. Um, which has become such a dear and precious verse to me that, um, you know, like a um, woman who married young only to be rejected, the Lord will bring me back. And it says your maker is your husband. And I had this moment where I was like, I always related to that metaphor of Jesus being the bridegroom and preparing to marry the lamb and preparing to marry Jesus in this lifetime, but to see and read that verse that there's a reality we can step into of actually knowing Jesus like a like a husband um that deeply um deeply um touched my heart that you know um yeah Jesus that I got to know Jesus as a husband in that season as a provider as I was um in so much lack with all the costs of divorce and everything like that um, as my protector as my defender um yeah as so much and so um that season of um, incredible pain was also filled with incredible revelation Mm -hmm. and encounter as i was just every day desperate (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um desperate for the Lord and his strength and his touch and um, his help and his comfort and his healing. just um thank you for sharing that story i just want to honor that and just honor the vulnerability with which you've shared and and i'm so sorry that you had to go through that um that's not easy very very painful um i think i think the things that i feel the the spirit sort of raising up is that sometimes we get this picture of uh surrender that if if we just surrender into the things of God, then life will be easy. You know, just come follow Jesus. Everything's going to be fine. I think what your story reminds us of is that that's not the case. And I think there's a lot of uh, really complicated questions that your story raises for people who are listening. You know, people who've sure. been through suffering in the path of what they thought was obedience. Does God cause these things to happen? How does a loving God let these things happen? I think these are big questions um and you might want to speak a little bit to that but i i think what is astounding to me genuinely and even as you speak now beth i just to encourage you i mean the grace that i am seeing as you speak that you're carrying is miraculous in light of what you've been through you know i think sometimes we can have a sort of superficial happiness in god that hasn't been tried or tested or refined in any way and um Yet, you know, when you read in the scriptures, it's like we go through trials and then God refines in us a character that's worth more than gold. 
I think as you're speaking, I just like see that. It's like you're a walking picture of that. Um, and so mm-hmm. God is amazing in that sense. And it doesn't um, uh, take away from the pain that you've had to experience or the deep tragedy or the deep evil of that. Mm-hmm. But just uh, that God is the speciality in the, he's in the special business of making mm-hmm. resurrections out of crucifixions. And I see that in, yeah. in you and in yeah. your face, you know, so I don't know, maybe I just felt now, like if someone's listening and going, man, that's intense. I can relate to that in some ways. I'm sure you must have wrestled through questions of God, how did you let this happen? How is this? Maybe some thoughts on that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who can have those questions and maybe people who are, um, my, my story and how I relate to God in that could even um, offend some, you know, but I'll just share my thoughts and how I've wrestled with that on my own. Of course I had those questions of God. I thought I heard you so clearly to, to, to marry this person. And now I'm in this mess and I, I've found that it's not first, it's not very helpful. There's just so much in life that we won't understand. And I think free will has a huge element. I'm not a theologian. I'm just speaking from mm-hmm. my thoughts and my experience as I have uh, wrestled with these questions in my personal life. Uh, okay. But I think free will has a huge part um, to play in this. And, and second, I in no way um, identify as a victim. I was a victim in a couple seasons of my life, but um, I I am walking in, in victory as an overcomer. And I feel like I laid my life down sincerely before the Lord for him to move in this nation and people, um, not my own that have become my own. And the pain and trauma that these people have experienced is, is um unfathomable hearing their firsthand experiences of seeing their own father get um get blown up before them having their brother um beheaded in front of them and you know two days after their mom dying the father not even caring because that's the broken uh, because of a broken culture and marrying another woman and then smelling their their mom's leg rotting you know on the roof of the house like the the stories are so traumatic and in order to make the gospel uh relatable to them there has to be people who have overcome depths of uh real um real deep trauma and so I'm not saying this is what the Lord had I don't understand it honestly but I think God often sees the ending from the beginning and now after having been so healed and delivered and deeper revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit deeper revelation of the blood deeper revelation of his mercy um and seeing the amount of women that I would be able to reach in this region or in this <laughs> continent, that the Lord knows my heart and knows that I would look back now and say it was so worth it. And um, now I'm fast forwarding a bit, but the Lord did call me back to um, live in this region Absolutely, in yeah. Africa and working with this people group. And um the majority of women that you meet have been abused as wives are divorced and how I'm able to minister the gospel. Um, I, I don't just say Jesus loves you and sees you in your pain. And I've not been through uh, anything that they've been through, but I can literally um, understand elements, you know, or parts of what wow, they're feeling wow, wow, wow. and, um, and how I'm able to share Jesus is, um, yeah, with a new authority. And, and so I think Jesus knows my heart. And looking back at the women who I've been able to minister to, because of my uh, second round of abuse in my marriage, 
and being able to have resurrected from that and seeing, yeah, the amount of women I'm able to minister to, I look back and say, wow, Jesus, it was worth it. And I think he knew my heart, you know, even though his, he's a little bit outside of time. And um, if I had to go through that to see a greater harvest among the people, then I say, yes, Lord. And I think I've realized yeah. through, um, through my pain and suffering that um, as believers, we are literally indestructible by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and having the word of God, you know, and it says that we are struck down, but we're not destroyed. And yes, you know, in my childhood, I was struck down um, in the depth of trauma post marriage, I was struck down, but we're never destroyed. And the Holy Spirit is always faithful to heal whatever trauma we're going to go through to, um, to restore our hearts from anything in the future that I will face or that people are facing in their lives and no pain in Jesus is ever wasted and what the enemy uses for evil God only turns around to use for even more good so through the second round of, of, of trauma and abuse I actually feel stronger more in love with Jesus having more faith more joy than I was before I got married. It was, it sounds so offensive to say, but um, suffering, not that I go around looking for it. I do not go around course, looking yeah. for suffering, yeah. but come what may, often we look back and through suffering is the times that we get to know Jesus the most and um, yeah, and get that depth with him. And in the end, you know, he is our prize. He is our reward. I'd rather get to heaven with some uh, wounds, you know, and scars um, and in love with him, filled with oil, filled with, you know, just depth of intimacy uh, than to personally live a comfortable life and maybe risk being a lukewarm one, you know, who wow. he doesn't know. And so, um, mm. yeah, that's, that's, some of my thoughts, but I'm in no way understanding um, theologically everything around this topic. It's a really yeah. big topic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think um, <laughs> I think it, it blows me away, really, your perspective, the fact that you can sit on this side of this journey and speak with the authority and clarity and perspective that you're speaking with. But it shouldn't be so surprising because it's so profoundly biblical. You know, everything that we read about in the scriptures is literally talking about what you are talking about and i think maybe that's part of the sadness of what's happened in so much of the western church particularly is like um what is classic biblical obedience and surrender seems foreign to us because we've entered into such a different kind of i don't know um compromised contract with god you know and again it's not to say that everybody needs to sell their things and move to you know islamic africa or whatever the thing is like whatever the lord calls you to do that's what you need to do yeah but it is to say that the perspective is that christ is worth it like i think about it's amazing i like it's like i'm talking to an apostle <laughs> from the book of acts you know when they are beaten and then they run out rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of jesus and wow. you read things like that and you go man that was so great that that happened then but as you're talking that's what we're seeing you are living theology or a living epistle right and you're carrying that same message that has been carried through um through the scriptures that 
So just to encourage you, it it is a bit offensive, I guess, to certain minds, but hey, you know what? The gospel's always been offensive to certain minds and like Christ is an offense uh, to to those who are being saved, but to to those who are being saved, he's salvation and glory, but to those who are not, he's an offense, you know? And so it's okay. We're all right. We're all right with that ground. Um, I I wondered if, uh, so you I mean, thank you for your story and what an incredible story and how God has been faithful to his promise to release you back out into that space. And now you're there raising up a team and God's at work and it's incredible. Um, you have picked up some tools in the process on this journey. You've picked up some tools around how do we anchor ourselves in surrender? How do we live into these surrendered lives? Um, and you just wanted to share some of those things. And I think this is particularly pertinent to someone who's listening to your story and going, man, that's very inspiring, but I'm not you. Or I've got certain challenges of my own, or I don't see how I could walk in that kind of surrender and obedience. Maybe give some people just a few tools and a few pointers. How how do you do this? And it's different for everyone. We get that. But just what have you learned in your journey? Yeah, there. There's a few things that come to mind, but one is um, the importance of community and not living in isolation because we literally can't do this Christian walk alone. And I think God revealed to me that um, that I no longer, he's not going to, as a loving, protective father, God, not going to let me be a lone ranger anymore on the mission field. And I wasn't a lone ranger because I wanted to be. There just wasn't a lot of people going to where I was going. And so um, I think in community, there's such a safeguard. And coming back, he really um, taught me the importance of that and um, to let love in from God and from people and um the importance yeah to do things in community and accountability you know um to people and so um that's one big thing another one that I um talked about was um being grounded um wearing that armor and being grounded in the word of God and not just reading it and letting our feelings dictate, but sometimes, um, sometimes when I was declaring the word of God over myself, it felt so fake. It felt so untrue to what I was feeling in the moment. Um, it felt like I was not even honoring my pain in it. There's also moments where you just need to be embraced and run to Jesus weeping on the ground. But there's moments where you have to say, like, I am not going to stay in this pit forever. And I, you know, I'm going to stand on the word of God. And um, yeah, and so really um, taking thoughts captive, um, declaring out the word of God and truth over yourself. And some of these things sound so simple, but also the third thing is, um, there's an element of uh, the power of positive thinking in scripture, you know, of whatever is lovely, whatever is holy, whatever is pleasing, dwell on those things. And there are always, always, always things to think about and dwell on that are negative and that are mm. painful and that are traumatic. But I think um, like, and even we enter his, you know, gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So there's something about dwelling on what is holy and pleasing, even in the midst of a recovery of something so traumatic, of just keeping your eyes fixed on the one who's so beautiful and how he is um, encountering you and giving you deeper revelation of his character and dwelling on those things and not um, just sitting you know, in your pit Mm. of despair. And Mm. um, there's just one thing I also wanted to share that comes to mind. I hope it's okay if I share this. Um, But um, one thing that I, the Lord has so revealed to me is uh, the power of his 
of his blood to cleanse and purify. And I Come remember, because um, because my um, there was adultery in my marriage. Um, I multiple times at one point I thought I might have HIV AIDS or um, had to get tested for different like STDs a couple of times. And I remember um, when I was waiting for a result. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, revealed to me, you stand before God, pure and spotless, like Come white on. as snow. It doesn't matter what any test result says. And no, even if the test result is blah, 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 then God can heal you anyways. And, um, and even how he's purified and cleansed uh, my mind, um, I often tell people, um, I feel like I am walking in more purity in mind and heart as a 30-year-old divorcee than than the purity I was walking in as a 16-year-old or 21-year-old or a 24-year-old because how Jesus has so cleansed and washed me in that revelation um, of him washing me. And so I feel like even just dwelling not upon why, why, why and all these negative dark trails that can lead you into despair and confusion, but to really just keep our eyes fixed on him who is the most beautiful one and dwell on what is beautiful and lovely and holy and, and pleasing. Um, yeah. And just staying, getting in the presence, <laughs> you know, getting in yeah. the presence, the word of God community is what has made it possible. I think to, to be where I am now in my, um, you know, healing and coming out the other side, truly victorious mm -hmm. and stronger than before um, in the Lord. Mm. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for particularly that area and like the, the power of the blood of Jesus. Um, as a follower community, we do these things called focuses where we take a practice from the life of Jesus and just really focus in on that for a couple of months and, uh, the next focus that's coming up is around communion and what it means for us to Amazing. enter into the practice of communion together and and just been doing some learning and research around that and just the power of the blood of Jesus and what that means, you know. And so, oh, man, just love that. Uh, uh, Beth, you're a walking miracle. and uh, You're a testament to the yeah. goodness and the glory of God. And I know you know this. I mean, it isn't ultimately about you and everything about you points to Jesus. And so, I don't know. I come off the the back of our conversation just so full of, I guess, encouragement and awe of of God and what He could do, but also just grateful for you and for your story and and for the life that you're living and for your courage to go back out and serve Him in the places that He's called you, uh, even in the midst of of what that's cost you. And so, just thank you, thank you for your testimony, you know, and thank you for your story and thank you for your faithfulness to Jesus. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And if you're listening into this, uh, when we talk about a value of um, followership, of being fully surrendered to Jesus, so much of what Beth has communicated through her story, this is what we're talking about. And again, it doesn't look the same for everyone. It's going to look different for you. But that same spirit of, mm -hmm. man, if he's Lord, the answer is yes. Now, what is the question? <laughs> that That's the posture that followers of Jesus need to have. It's going to be very hard for us to take a lot of ground in our following of Jesus if our fingers are kind of crossed behind our backs uh, when it comes to our surrender to him. Um, Beth, I wonder if we could just end this conversation. Uh, would you pray for the people who are listening to this? Again, imagining people from all over the world, different life stages and spaces, maybe just pray an impartation of some of that spirit of surrender over us as we end. Yes, Jesus, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for truly rescuing me from, yeah, darkness and bringing you into, bringing me into your marvelous light. I thank you, God, that we can stand before you through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus as your beloved, as your bride, as your children. And um, we say, Jesus, you are so worthy to, of being followed, of laying down everything, of taking up our cross daily to follow you, God. I thank you. Um, 
And I pray that everyone on this call, that you would lift their eyes, that you would give them greater perspective, maybe that is beyond um, their own pain, God, but that you use, you can heal any depth of trauma, Lord, and you um, don't waste anything. What the enemy means for evil, you always turn around and use for good. So I just declare, um, yeah, how you have um, been using even the depths of my trauma and pain to bring many to you, God. I pray that you would redeem what the enemy has tried to steal and destroy in everyone's life and that you um, would just bring your redemption in that. But as they uh, experience deeper measures of your love and healing and revelation in those areas in their life, that you would, um, yeah, make them just shine for you and use that pain, God, for your glory. And um, yeah, Jesus, we just say that you are so beautiful. And I pray um, that everyone on this call would just fall more in love with all of who you are, because it's not out of striving that we obey you, but it's out of um, just being amazed <laughs> at your holiness, at your character, at who you are, that we can't help but follow you. We can't help but break our alabaster jars at your feet. So God, I just bless everyone who will be listening with just a greater revelation of your love and just to be drawn into deeper intimacy with you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time on the follow-up podcast where we'll be talking about um, going to the depths of his heart with Strawn Coleman from Commoners Communion. So looking forward to that one. See you then, guys. Bye. That's all for this episode of the Follower Podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the Ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support and to say thank you we'll send you a free copy of live the story an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others until next time may you follow jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go from the ground beneath your feet to the very ends of the earth